Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one sustainable page of Talmud each day. And in today's page, Bava Kama 34, we come across this strange bit. Have a listen. The sages taught with regard to an ox worth 200 dinars, that gored an ox worth 200 dinars, and the carcass is worth 50 dinars, this party takes half the value of the living ox and half the value of the dead ox. And that party also takes half the value of the living ox and half the value of the dead ox. And this is the case of the belligerent ox stated in the Torah. This is the statement of Rabbi Yehuda. Now, of course, Rabbi Meir is quick to argue, and the whole thing soon develops into a discussion about who gets what when which ox scores which. But there's plenty just in this little bit of wisdom to make us stop in our tracks and think. Why would the rabbis go into this whole bit about the carcass? What, after all, is a carcass worth? If an ox is dead and it can't work anymore, and if it wasn't subjected to kosher slaughtering, of what possible value might it be? There's a deep lesson here, and it's one that Native Americans, lovers of the land and all of its creatures, intuited as well. The Plains Indians, for example, ended each one of their ceremonies and prayers with the expression mitakuya oyesin, or we are all related, a way to express their gratitude for our home planet and its bounties. And they referred to the bison as Buffalo Nation, granting the animals the same dignity they would to a nation of people. Of course, they would then hunt and kill the bison, but when they did, they would let no part of the animal go to waste. Some accounts tell us that the Plains Indians had more than 150 uses to the bison parts. Its sinews, for example, were turned into bowstrings, its horns into cups, its bones into tools and toys for the children, its hair into pillows and ropes, and its hooves into glue. From its hide, the Native Americans would make bedding and belts, cradles and dolls, teepees and shoes. They would eat the best parts of the meat and turn the lesser parts into jerky to enjoy later. Because the animal, by their logic, did not die a meaningless death. Being a living creature, its death was a noble sacrifice, and it enabled the humans who caused it to continue and live themselves. Our ancient ancestors, the rabbis, shared this sensibility with the Native Americans. Both believed that you must respect animals even, or especially if you eat them, because every part of a living creature has inherent value and should be honored. Sadly, we have come a long way from this deep and wise and humane understanding. These days, we genetically manipulate the animals we raise for food so badly that sometimes their organs just fail. The Dutch have a terrible term for it, plofkips, or exploding chickens, a gory description of what happens to a creature when you fatten it so much its heart just goes boom. Routinely, on factory farms, chickens, cows, and other animals have healthy body parts removed to save space and prevent fighting, rather than giving these poor animals the dignity of an adequate living space. And just imagine pigs, highly intelligent and social animals in a 7x2 so-called gestation crate, pregnant and unable to turn around or lie down comfortably without being crushed by metal bars surrounding them on all sides. That is an absolute travesty. 
And it's protected by our so-called right-to-farm laws, which give giant corporations the right to silence anyone who tries to protest big agriculture's abuses of animals and humans alike. I'm not sure, but I have a feeling that neither Rabbi Yehuda nor Rabbi Meir would have approved of such behavior. They're not telling us to go vegan. I'm certainly not. But they are telling us that animals are living things that have an inherent value which must not be ignored. We can honor this Talmudic insight easily simply by being mindful of what we eat and refusing to participate in the travesty of industrial farming. Years ago, I decided that as a pretty serious meat eater, I'm going to try and eat less meat. And I'm going to pay much, much more to only buy meat from people who treat their animals with the respect that they deserve. Takes a bit of homework, it costs a lot more, and it will definitely make you opt for beans or nuts every now and then instead of chicken or steak. But do it, and your heart, literally and figuratively speaking, will be much healthier. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, then you are really going to love the new book just published by me. It's called How the Talmud Can Change Your Life, Surprisingly Modern Advice from a Very Old Book. You can order it now at your local bookstore or directly from the publisher through the link in this here podcast description or through that big online store whose logo is, you know, a smile. As always, please go rate and review Take One on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You could get your Take One t-shirts and mugs and other swag at tabletstudios.com and you could subscribe to our weekly newsletter at tabletm.ag slash take one newsletter. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramucci, Courtney Hazlett, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.